0: Log Talk Radio. Okay.
1: Welcome to The Balance. You have stumbled across the number one internet sports talk show in the world. My name is Tom Marquis. You will pay homage to me for the next two hours as I am on loan from God to walk you through this crazy world of sports. And welcome to college football opening week. Joining us now also is Rick Rigan, our executive producer and host of Breaking Rank. How is you, sir?
2: Tom, this is the best day of the year, and uh, the college football is just far and above, uh, totally a lot better than the NFL. That anything the NFL rolls out onto the field, just a better product, wouldn't you agree?
1: I would totally agree, except for maybe. The oh, NFL. you would agree. I, I
2: thought you said you would not agree with that. <laughs>
1: uh, I, I agree. I, I agree tried. in part. But- I agree. In part, I part. off guard. <laughs> and also, it's fantasy football draft weekend for a lot of people. We, I know we've got our draft here at the balance tomorrow. I've got a draft this afternoon. So, in the second hour, Ed Kratz, our official uh, NFL contributor, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, is going to join us. Moe, for the VS Sports Show. I'm talking uh, NFL preseason. Uh, of course, in NASCAR uh, in Darlington and IndyCar in Portland. We'll get into all of that in the second hour got a guest in and by in the balance green room to get this uh, this college football talk going my name is Tom Marcosel Presidente we'll be right back it's about to get good tonight
3: The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom.
4: It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals, see live educational shows, feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure.
1: Welcome back to the balance, little breaking rank opening, in honor of college football opening week. Joining us now, executive producer Rick Riggen, and I know we have a guest on the line, Mr. Terry. You've joined us before. Welcome back to the balance, uh, Terry. How is you? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm well ah, played.
7: That was good. Very good.
2: I'm,
7: I'm good, fellas. A little different uh, scenario today than the last time I was on with you. Last time I was uh, about half drunk wearing a denim Speedo drinking beer at 8 a.m. That's right. That was our smash uh, party in the woods.
1: <laughs> That's party in the woods. One for the one for the record books. Uh, one that Hangover has nothing on, I hear. So, well, guys, it was, it's uh, uh, time to get it. Go ahead.
7: It was uh, something memorable that I don't recall much of. That is correct.
1: Memories that maybe you shouldn't have. All right, guys, well, let's get into it. Rick Riggit, host of Breaking Rank, and make sure that you join us every Wednesday night at at 8 o'clock Eastern time, 7 Central. We'll break down uh, all the college football action. But it is college football opening weekend going to dedicate pretty much the entire show uh to some sort of college football talk at least the first hour in the second hour we might deviate a little bit we'll try to get to as many of these games as possible so certainly i know that one of the biggest games on the uh, on the list and nationally and locally and with the two of you and that's notre dame and michigan michigan at notre dame gonna be a big game as i said before uh on breaking ranking on this uh show Michigan, uh, has the most overrated, overhyped, overpaid coach. If he loses, he's only eight and eight, uh, nothing to get that excited about. We'll turn it over to you, Rick. What say you?
2: Well, that's actually would be a question and comment directed towards Terry. You know, this is the one that he's on the show for that. We're actually going to fight about here in a little bit, but, uh, eight and four seasons is not going to get done in Michigan, especially if you're the highest paid coach in college football, uh, he's he's definitely but he is like the the best fourth place coach in the big 10 so uh terry what are your thoughts on jim harbaugh so far i mean is he does he have the program where you uh where you expect the program to be at this point
7: absolutely not uh results thus far have been less than overwhelming i do believe this will be his first chance with a quarterback that actually will fit his system the loss of uh Kareke Black will definitely hurt. Hopefully, Donovan Peoples-Jones and some of the other wide receivers can step up. But I think uh, I think this season, this Michigan team is going to be defined by Shea Patterson and a defense that should be in the same conversation with Clemson as the best in the nation.
1: All right. Go ahead, Rick. Go ahead. I'll let you take that. Oh, you're turning this
2: segment over to me. Gotcha. Okay. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> I was
1: just thought that that you guys had something in mind uh, uh, with this game, so I kind of wanted to let you take the lead with this particular game, but uh, do what oh, you gotcha. <laughs>
2: So uh, you know, Michigan brings in a yeah, top ten defense from last year, but when you go back and look at the uh, their games against top twenty five teams, especially in the conference, you know, it's a forty two to ten loss to a uh, Penn State, it's thirty three to ten loss uh, to Wisconsin, you know. They're not putting up a whole lot of points against teams in the top 25, and now they're coming into South Bend again tonight against another top 25 team. So how is it going to be different from last year to this year uh, with Michigan? And it, I wouldn't say just all Michigan fans, but I will also say ESPN and pretty much a lot of the country is just throwing a lot of faith into Shea Patterson, who's two two touchdowns and five picks against the top 25 last year. He's got like a 4-6 record from Ole Miss. Uh, put a lot of faith in Shea Patterson coming into South Bend tonight. Terry, what are your thoughts on that?
7: I mean, we don't really have a whole lot else to throw confidence behind. Um, Wilton State played well through half of the season last year and then got hurt and never could get right. Um, and I agree about Shea Patterson. I, I told you earlier in the week, I've watched – considerable amount of film from last year and the year before. And I, I there is no doubt that the kid is talented. He can play. Um, he make, He can make every throw in the book. The problem is he tries to squeeze... He's got the Andrew Luck syndrome. He likes to hang on to the ball a little too long, and then he likes to make throws where he probably should just tuck it away and get a yard or go down. He tries to squeeze balls into very questionable situations. Hopefully... Under the tutelage of James Joseph Harbaugh, we see a little progression starting tonight. Um, offensively, Michigan is going to have limitations. They don't have a big game-breaking back that you can hand the ball to 30 or 40 times. They've got a uh, running back by committee kind of system. And, uh, and I don't know, I'm just ready to get it off.
1: Well, it's absolutely going to be exciting, Notre Dame and Michigan. Uh, and uh, what, what was this segment that you were going to uh, start, uh, Rick? Uh, what would you call it?
2: Oh, we was going to have a bro-down.
1: Yeah, but you called it something else. I can't no,
2: it's the bro down. <laughs> no, no, it a bro-down.
1: No, it was the bro, bro before the something. I don't oh. know. Anyway.
2: Well, <laughs> I just threw that together because it rhymed. It was the bro-down before the showdown. Yeah, oh, that's Notre what it is, to down showdown. before
1: the showdown. And that's a, the, the, the segment that we're going to try to uh, create. Uh, but certainly a uh, great rivalry uh, uh, with Notre Dame and Michigan. You know, really, Notre Dame uh, should have never become Notre Dame. It was a small Catholic university in Indiana that roamed the country, uh, just playing uh, electric group of opponents and recruited from the uh, Catholic high schools. But they won some national titles and, and actually made the fighting Irish in the post-war years one of the most popular are the most polarizing uh, college football teams out there. Along comes Michigan. Certainly Michigan leads in the uh, rivalry battle, if you will, kind of taking off a few years. Let's talk a little bit, guys, about the rivalry uh, between Notre Dame and Michigan. Go sure,
2: really. uh, Terry, got a question for you. Uh, so when, in 1909, when Notre Dame beat Michigan for the first time, why did Michigan end, end the series for 60 years?
7: Well, I mean, I'm old, Rick. But my uh, – <laughs> exactly I'm going to have to defer to somebody, my senior, but I don't know who that would be at this point. I honestly cannot answer that question.
2: <laughs> I think they just like, holy crap, they beat us. Let's not play these guys again for like ever again if we can because now all of a sudden like we're not the best team here in the Midwest. Notre Dame actually is now, and we don't want no part of them. That's what I think happened.
7: You very, well, guys, you very well co- –
2: you could be right.
7: I mean, I don't know, but uh, I do believe Michigan still holds the all-time series advantage.
2: Well, they have Hurry the all-time up. series advantage, and they and they. I, I'm sorry, Tom, but uh, they have the Go most ahead. all-time wins. But you know, it, to me, it's like the the Alabama syndrome, where they claim like 57 national titles. You know, back in like the early 1900s, when Michigan would play the YMCA six times a year. You know, they claim <laughs> all those wins. So, <laughs> I think it's it's something along those
1: lines. You know. <laughs> There's certainly Again, something to be said.
7: Go ahead, man.
1: No, go ahead, Terry. Take it right, go right ahead, bud. Go ahead.
7: I definitely, definitely can't argue that. I don't think any national championship after – well, before I was born should count unless it's Indiana basketball.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's a, that's a great rivalry. Also, IU and uh, uh, Purdue, and I'm going to make a bold prediction right now. IU wins the Big Ten East, so we'll see. Uh, what happens there? Not necessarily wins the Big Ten. I think ben, Penn State's going to win the Big Ten, get to the playoffs over Ohio State. So, Terry, I don't know how long you can stay with us. Apparently you got a beauty shop appointment or something you got to get to, but uh, that's what Rick told me anyway. So, uh, I don't know. How long can you stay with us? <laughs> He's got to look yeah, fresh. Yeah. Yeah.
2: We're get together tonight. He's got to <laughs> look fresh. Yeah, I'm going to actually do the same thing this morning. After <laughs>
7: Yeah, I've got to run and get a haircut. I'm actually leaving for Mexico tomorrow morning, so I'm only going to get to watch the first half of the game with Mister Riggin tonight. Hopefully, I can leave with my head held high.
1: Well, we hope so. I, and I hope you I enjoy you your, your, your. Are you making exactly. a drug I, run
7: down there? Ter-
1: are you making a drug run down there, Terry, or what? What's uh, what's going on in Mexico?
7: Man, I'm just going on vacation. If there was a drug run involved, I definitely wouldn't just put it on a put it out there on the air like that the feds are
0: everywhere
1: these
7: days <laughs> well we know one place they're not and that's at the borders
1: so uh we'll save that for another conversation and another time but neither here nor there <laughs> well terry we appreciate you jumping on with us uh, rick and i are going to talk a little bit more college football uh before he goes to the beauty shop as well and bails early on the show today but college football weekend michigan notre Dame, many thoughts uh terry
7: now, guys, thanks for having me on. Look forward to a great weekend of college football.
8: Definitely, man. Um,
7: I'm calling uh, twenty-one seventeen Michigan.
2: Oh, hey, hey, we'll we'll find out, Terry. Uh, hey, it's good talking to you on the show here. I'll talk at to you throughout the day, and I'll see you uh, later on there, TB.
7: Yes, sir. I got a fantasy football draft at three thirty. I'll meet you right after that.
2: All right, man. See you.
7: See you guys. Have a good day. Go blue.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Terry. Uh, good stuff, Terry Beard, Ter- man.
1: Terry, the uh, Wolverine fan. Why, why did I, for some reason, I thought he was a Florida State guy. I don't know why. I mean, we had another guy on. We had a guy on one time that was a big Florida State guy, didn't we? Oh well, that's neither here nor there. Eh, probably. I digress. <laughs> well, it is always we have good so to healthy all over
2: the years, you know. I just, it's hard to keep track a lot of times.
1: Yeah. Uh, so it it is healthy to have these uh, uh, rivalries, uh, certainly one of the biggest ones here in the Big Ten, uh, lies between Ohio State and Michigan, and also uh, lies between Indiana and Purdue, I would say those are two of the biggest Uh, inside the Big Ten. Let's talk a little bit about that rivalry, Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, We'll get into some of these other games of of today, but as we talked about over on Breaking Rank, Ohio State's got a little bit of distractions. And, you know, I wish we had uh, Buckeye Adam on with us today because uh, according to the Columbus uh, newspaper, uh, the police reports are now starting to uh, sift out. And a lot of the things that uh, uh, Adam's talking about regarding – Uh, uh, the the white receiver coach Smith who got in all the trouble for domestic violence. uh, Apparently uh, a lot of that was kind of covered up. Did you see any of that uh, information that was dumped this week about Ohio state?
2: I've seen a little bit about that. I haven't seen anything the past couple of days, not since breaking break. I've only just heard about a little bit of that, but uh, it, it was awesome having Adam on Wednesday night. Cause he is like the Uber over the top Ohio state fan. And he did exactly how, what I was hoping like he, he, he would do is just agree with everything. Urban Meyer and, and agree everything, whatever the, the thing is that to, to keep your head coach from being fired, you know, like urban Meyer, uh, that's he 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 was exactly that way, just a crazy over the top Ohio State fan.
1: Well, that's always good. Got to have that. That's for sure. Talk about over the top fans. Alabama meets Louisville today. Uh, certainly, uh, we don't know who the, the starting quarterback for Alabama is going to be yet. Uh, and I one would think that uh, uh, that when that announcement is made, or when they the, they take the field. That will be the starting quarterback for Alabama. But as we know, they very much have a quarterback controversy. No matter what Coach Shabin says, they have a quarterback controversy. uh And certainly, I think that it's in their cards to beat Louisville. uh But all eyes are on Louisville and Alabama today.
2: Yeah, well, Tua Tonga Vailoa is, is their starter. And uh Jalen Hurts is all, you know, he's got all the game experience. He's a great runner, but Tua. Two can get out of the pocket. Two is a much better passer, and we're basing all this off of the last two quarters that of the Alabama season last year. Two have played in. Yeah, had made two or three good throws, made a couple mistakes, but he's really electric, and he is going to be their starter. Uh, Nick Saban does not want Jalen Hurts to to leave because that's the way it's going to be. So he's going to find a way to play them both and try to make them both happy. And to me, that is going to make their offense uh, less successful because. What we've seen over the years, and I have at Notre Dame with, uh, with Malik Zaire and uh, Deshaun Kaiser, two like really good NFL-style talented, uh, they're talented enough to be in the NFL. Kaiser is in the NFL actually, but when you have two guys like that and you try to give them both first-team reps, it takes reps away from the other guy, vice versa. So it that system never really works. Alabama is good enough to overcome that. But they're going to struggle offensively. But Tua Tonga-Vailoa is going to be the starter.
1: Well, we'll see how how that plays out. Certainly, uh, college football really got underway on Thursday. Uh, Purdue uh, uh, suffered a loss to Northwestern. Also, uh, yesterday we had UCF over Connecticut ass-stomping 56-17. Michigan State, as we talked about earlier, Rick, uh, did not play. To potential. Uh, certainly, uh, they beat Utah State, but it was close. Stanford, as we're going to have our eyes on them out in the West uh, uh, this year, uh, certainly through breaking rank and stuff, uh, 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 easily handle San Diego State. Wisconsin, obviously, over uh, Kentucky, 34 uh, to 3. Let's talk a little bit about today's game. Southern U at TCU at 11 o'clock, Florida Ale- uh, Atlantic at uh, Oklahoma at 11 o'clock. So, Oregon State, uh, no Urban Meyer on the sidelines for that game uh, as, he, as he begins his uh, three-game suspension. And I think what a lot of people are going to be watching is this, uh, uh, of course, you got Texas and Maryland, but I think a lot of people are going to be watching this Clemson-Furman uh, uh, game, one, just because it's, it's Clemson uh, as well. So the morning games, uh, just kind of run through those real quickly there. Anything stand out that you're going to keep your eyes on during these games today, Rick?
2: Uh, no, there's nothing that's going to stand out. That these games you just mentioned, yeah, obviously everybody's going to be looking to see how Ohio State looks without Urban Meyer. But I, I think they're going to beat Oregon State by about 30 points. They're going to have no problems next week. But the game against TCU is actually the one to watch for here in three weeks. So Ohio State no problems out without Urban Meyer today, and uh, there's nothing really to look out for in the these uh, games you just mentioned.
1: Well, yeah, I think, well, like you said, a lot of people are going to be looking at the uh, Oregon State game. How's Ohio State look without Urban Meyer? And of course, the, the conversations have already begun about Urban Meyer. This is his final year at Ohio State; that he will find another place to go. And uh, we talked a lot of rumors about about that and certainly we talked a little bit about lane kiffin uh and we'll get into the lsu game as well but uh, there's a very good possibility that uh lsu will fire their coach just after two years and they'll also maybe take a look at lane kiffin this could very well be a very good year for lane kiffin so we'll see uh what happens also obviously our indiana hoosiers tonight um Against FIU, uh, again, I'll make the bowl prediction right here, right now, and then I'll, we'll come back and replay this. I expect uh, IU to be in another bowl game and certainly expect them to win the Big Ten East. What are, what are your thoughts there?
2: Hey, so hey, well, let me circle back real quick, because in that group of games where I said there's nothing to look forward to and there's all these other games there in Ohio State and Urban Meyer, uh, you actually did bring up FAU in Oklahoma. In that group of games, that is actually a game everybody should be looking at because uh, Oklahoma, I think right now is like a two and a half, three touchdown favorite in that game. I do not think it's going to go that way at all. I Lane Kiffin knows how to call an offense. Lane Kiffin knows how to dial up 40, 50 points a game, and, and Oklahoma—it's every Big 12 team—they have no idea how to play defense. I think. Florida Atlantic and Oklahoma is going to be a high-scoring but close game, and that is a game to look out for. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, Tom, you mentioned all these games, and I, I forgot you brought up that one. And uh, but that is really a, a great game today that everyone should be keeping an eye on. Florida Atlantic. Yeah. I, I'm going to take the upset here. I'm just going to be bold. Uh, you know, make my bold prediction. You can play the breaking news the music if you want because that's actually pretty funny. But I'm going to say FAU beats Oklahoma
1: today. Uh, stand by. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll design a segment in in progress of of that and uh, our bold predictions, and and we'll make that uh, uh, the intro. But, you know, I am definitely on the Lane Kiffin train. I think this is a great proving year for him. I think it's time that uh, bigger schools will start uh, giving him a look and we'll see how things go uh, with him, although I know a lot of people think that he's uh, had – uh, he's, he's had a chance three different times and failed miserably. Uh, but I think, uh, there'll be schools that'll step up and give him yet another chance. Let's take a look at these afternoon games. Uh, Penn state, which I mentioned earlier, I think is going to have, uh, even though, uh, they're missing their, their studs, Quan Bar- Barkley, which I'm watching over there in the, uh, <laughs> in the giants and the what will to say Barkley. I, I hope guy, uh, on one of my fantasy leagues, I hope I can I can pick him up because he's certainly going to be a fantasy you, stud. You have
2: been tongue-tied on him for almost a year, uh, talking about
6: you,
1: know. all
2: last college football season. Saquon Broccoli, you would always put the R to
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, But, but they're not going to have any broccoli with them anymore. So against Appalachian State, I think that's going to be a good one. Again, Tennessee, uh, I guess West Virginia, uh, ranked West Virginia is in the top 20. We talked about Washington on, on Wednesday, Washington-Auburn. That's a big, big big matchup uh for both schools and we'll see what happens uh especially uh, a lot of people say that this is the one game where game one can make a big difference so that's going to be one that everybody's got their eyes on uh as georgia and austin pay unlv and usc which is the only school in, in southern california boise state troy uh michigan state sfa uh those are well We're getting into the evening games, but uh, I know we've got the evening games to get to as well. But as we talked about on Breaking Rank, Washington and Auburn, that's the game to watch this afternoon, Rick.
2: Right, and also you brought up an intriguing game in in that group there. It's it's Tennessee and West Virginia. I know we don't think much of Tennessee after what Butch Jones has done there in the past two or three seasons, but now they're bringing in Jeremy Jeremy Pruitt, who was former defensive coordinator at Alabama, and I think uh, Tennessee is going to be a pretty good defensive team. They have a ton of talent on that team. I don't know uh, how quickly it's going to be for Jeremy Pruitt, Pruitt to turn that talent into wins at Tennessee, but I think that Tennessee-West Virginia game today is very intriguing because we're going to see a Heisman hopeful, a Heisman candidate Will Greer go against a, a, a real defense and a real SEC team right out of the gate. So we're going to see what kind of impact he has this year uh, for West Virginia because I think West Virginia and Oklahoma are going to be uh, playing for the uh, Big 12 uh, championship this year, Big 12 crown. So, But we're going to see Will Greer, and we're going to see uh, the changes Tennessee has made uh, right, right, right off the bat.
1: Well, absolutely. Well, let's get into these evening games because this is where the big matchups are. We know what you're going to be watching. We talked about it earlier, broke it down earlier, uh, Michigan and, and Notre Dame. Uh, we've got Bowler, Bowling Green in Oregon, uh, Louisville and Bama, and another big game to watch is uh, Miami and LSU. Again, uh, there's the Lane the Kiffin watch there. And Virginia Tech going to be a good game against Florida State. Let's see uh, how uh, – how florida state handles their first game without jimbo fisher what say you on tonight's game i know we've already talked about notre dame and michigan we got a little bit more to talk about alabama and louisville but i certainly think that most other eyes are going to be on uh, the miami lsu game and the virginia take florida state game rick
2: right and uh, 917-889-8516 listening live you want to weigh in on some college football with us uh, for the next half hour or so so uh give us a call and uh Give us your predictions for all these games. That would be good, good to hear from you guys, too. So, uh, But definitely, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Willie Taggart getting his start at Florida State, the Willie Taggart era. And he's going to go against a pretty good defensive team, a really good team. Uh, I like what Fuentes has done at Virginia Tech after Beamer has left. Uh, Virginia Tech's a, a really good team. And Florida State is – we're going to see what, what they can salvage from last season, losing Jimbo Fisher, uh they lost DeAndre Francois last season to injury, but now he's their starter again this year. Yeah, he's actually a pretty athletic, pretty good quarterback. They have a ton of talent, too. We're going to see how Willie Taggart can can uh, unlock that offense and get, get them rolling, get them going in the right direction after just a really bad season last year. So that's a really an intriguing matchup to watch. Uh, you know, we talked about Alabama and Louisville. Uh, I don't see any problems there. This is a, a Lamar Jacksonless Louisville team that uh, Alabama's going to go against. Uh, I would probably would have paid a whole lot of money to watch Lamar Jackson, you know, play against Alabama this year, but that's not going to be the case. But Louisville does bring in a brand-new quarterback, best name in college football named Puma Pass. So that, Puma. He's a, Puma. Puma Pass. You know, he, big quarterback, about 6'5", six, six thick six, a uh, pocket passer. Uh, that is kind of not the, the right recipe, I guess, the coca's Alabama. We see in the past that Nick Saban struggles against teams to have a mobile quarterback. And even though Puma passes good athlete, he's, you know, he, he, he's a pocket passer in Bobby Petrino's offense, which to me just doesn't seem like it's, it's a good mix. So, and also you mentioned uh LSU and, uh, Miami, uh, I think this game here is bigger for LSU. Obviously, if Miami wants to be taken serious as a serious contender in the ACC and a serious uh, contender to go against Clemson, they need this game. But I think to me it's bigger for LSU because of the fate of uh, Ed Orgeron basically in, in L- at down at LSU. You know, they hire Coach O what, a couple years ago to be the head coach. You know, he's about like what Harbaugh's doing 75 7-5 seven 8 and 4 win seasons. Uh, he's had some really great running back talent to lose it in, to the NFL. You know, he's had Darius Geis last year and Leonard Fournette the year before. Uh, but this is a uh, – I know he they, they're bringing in a brand-new quarterback this year. He looks real promising. This is a bigger win for LSU, I, I think.
1: Well, we'll see what happens. And with a name like Puma Pass, he was destined to be a great quarterback. So uh, we'll follow him uh, throughout throughout the season as well. Well, let's kind of just talk about, uh, you know, it's not too, seven, too early to talk about the college football playoffs. Uh, should we extend the teams? Well, of course we could because if we extend it to six, then we have to extend it to eight, then we have to extend it to ten, and so forth and so forth, and the madness continues. I would be in favor of six, but no more than that. Uh, because uh, we do see teams like Washington get snubbed, and uh, you know, as we just talked about, Auburn, Washington uh, playoff elimination really in game one. Uh, the loser will likely be out of college football race on September one. Um, you know, sure, Washington could still win its conference, Rick, but it's going to be judged more by the Auburn game than the Pac-12 schedule. And as you as you mentioned on Wednesday night, not that I necessarily agreed with you, uh, but this is a bigger win for Washington than it would be for Auburn.
2: Yeah, it's exactly right. It's it's a much bigger win for Washington than it is Auburn. Auburn has to schedule the rest of the year to to make up for a loss, you know, against Washington. But Washington does not have the schedule other than playing against Stanford later this year, uh, to make up for it for a loss. And then when it comes selection time for the committee to really take a serious look at them and say, all right, well, who have you really beat because the best you lost to the best team you played against, which is Auburn. And, uh, maybe they beat Stanford, but how good is Stanford really going to be when we get there? So, and then they don't have the schedule against the, uh, uh the PAC 12 because the PAC 12 is a little down this year. Uh, As far as the playoff goes, I think eight teams is perfect. I don't think it needs to be any more than eight teams. I think, uh, you know, in in the years to come, you know, far into the future, it will probably expand uh, much. They'll find a way to expand it more than eight teams. I think eight teams is perfect. You get your five power five conferences in – and you can have a couple of uh, your group of five teams, which would have been great for UCF last year, and then you still get a one-at-large bid, say like a team like Notre Dame, like a one-loss Notre Dame. He's not in any conference whatsoever, something like that. So I think you get your five power fives, you get a group of five team in, you get a one or two at-large bids. That's why I believe eight teams is perfect. And to accomplish that, they just need to get rid of the conference championship games, which we've seen now, they don't make a difference anyway because Alabama didn't even make their conference championship game last year but still got in the playoffs.
1: Absolutely. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about some other big deciding games. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Texas-Oklahoma game, and that's going to decide the Big 12. The winner of the Big 12 will be the uh, the one uh, score score nail-biter as usual. The only question is, uh, will we get a rematch in the Big 12 there,
7: Rick?
2: Well, I think the Big 12 this year, I think it's going to come down to West Virginia, Oklahoma. is going to be really good. I think Texas is still a year away under Tom Herman. Uh, he, he's great coach. He's going to have them going in the right direction. I think they're starting the, a, a younger quarterback, so he's still working on a, a quarterback issue at Texas. I think they're still a year, a year away to be serious contenders in that conference. I think this year is really going to come down to uh, uh, we don't know what Oklahoma's going to look like with Kyler Murray. You know, Baker Mayfield's gone. I mean, he, he's just as good as an athlete, but we don't know if he's the leader. You know that Baker Mayfield was. I think it's going to come down more to. Uh, West Virginia, and and TCU uh, this year in the Big 12.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, this Clemson-South uh, Carolina game. It'll be huge. The Tigers go into rivalry weekend week in, uh, looking to cap a 12-0 regular season, but the Gamecocks are capable of winning the SEC East, uh, which will give them all they can handle uh, in, in, in one of the best uh, rivalry games of the weekend. The Tigers have a chance to match South Carolina's five-game win streak uh, from twenty nineteen from 2009 to 2013 Sorry.
2: Yeah, and and Will Muschamp did like a terrible job when he was the head coach at Florida, and he got the South Carolina job. I was like, how do he even get another head coaching job? Because he failed so bad at Florida. But since he's been at South Carolina, they've been like a really good team, really good defensive team. They've been putting points up on the scoreboard. So that is actually going to be a really good game to watch this year. But Clemson's going to bring in probably the best defensive line in the country. You know, you'll see that all year long. Uh, I don't think Clemson will have much trouble with South Carolina when we get to that point. So I think Clemson, uh, Clemson and Alabama are both going to be in the playoffs. So, really, the rest of the country is just playing for two playoff spots, which is why we need to expand the playoff because you know, it's crazy that, you know, I think two teams are already locked into it. But uh, so that's really it. That could be a game to to change that, even if Clemson goes undefeated, but lose to South Carolina in that game. I still think they're still in the playoff. Uh, That's how crazy it is right now with with the the four-team playoff. But uh, it's not a rivalry game yet. I know know they're in-state rivals. But until South Carolina gets a little better under Will Muschamp, and they are, uh, I don't think that's really much of a game.
1: So let's talk a little bit about these coaches that we already know going into game one, uh, hot seats and cool seats, if you will. A lot of people think Jim uh, Harbaugh's seat is cooling off. I don't think so. As Terry mentioned earlier, he, he does not have the success record. If Notre Dame uh, beats Michigan, uh, that's going to heat up his thing. Uh, you mentioned it, Oregon. Or- 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 Excuse me. Uh, oh, sure Oregon. Oregon, or no, so sorry. In-
2: Cookie Monster.
1: <laughs> uh, only in his second year, uh, but there again, that uh, we're Lane Kiffin watch there for LSU, of course, uh, Urban Meyer as well. That's the other one that a lot of people are going to be looking at uh, toward the end of the season. Uh, out of those three, who's most likely to stay? Who's most likely to go?
2: Well, I think if uh, Lane Kiffin keeps uh, having the success in year two here at FAU, uh, somebody be uh, calling his phone. The colts team, you know, next year, I mean, he, he won't even have three seasons at, at FAU, especially if Urban Meyer, if he's fired after this year or if he just uh, – they just mutually decide to uh, split ways and he becomes the head coach at Cleveland Browns, which is what I think is probably going to happen after this season. Uh, I think Lane Kiffin might be heading up to uh, Ohio State.
1: Well, here's a, the, another coach that you know is not on the hot seat at all. Uh, in fact, uh, his seat is pretty much frosted over. Dun dun. Uh, a very cold uh, frost, uh, if you will, because it's a frost joke and frost. It's cold. We all know Scott Frost do a fantastic job up there in Nebraska. I think that uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, is gonna get a lot of talk, especially in the Big Ten. I think they got a chance to, uh, uh, you know, have a really good uh, trip to Michigan, Wisconsin, Northwest. Western to Ohio State, who made that schedule eight wins, would be success, a successful season for Scott Frost. It hey,
9: will.
2: Tom, I was ask you this: we'll just put the over under at seven and a half. Is Scott Frost going to win more than seven and a half games, or under?
9: I think he wins eight games. Absolutely. Like, you you think nine, he wins
2: eight? I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking they're probably gonna go seven. I'm going to take the under on them, even though that's great at, at Nebraska, and he's it takes it takes two or three years to. A new coaching staff, new coach to come in, uh, all, all that to, to come into place. He needs to get his own recruits in. It takes years to build. And fans drive me crazy. And I'm one of these guys, too, from Notre Dame, when they hire a new coach, that the turnaround needs to be immediate. you know. And the national championships need to be won five minutes ago. You know, right after five minutes after they hire a new coach, the national championship needs to be won right there. I'm one of those fans, too. But it takes two or three years to actually – have success when you bring in a new coaching staff so i don't think this year or next year is the year for nebraska but year three under scott hey, frost that's when the big tennies hey, go on notice
1: hey rick do you remember the issue i was talking with you about prior to the show uh, regarding my laptop and the battery so what i'm going to try to do is make that conversion i want to do that while you're on the line so um you got the show until i come back on okay
2: all right, how long is that going to take you? Cause
1: <laughs> it won't take me long. I just need to do it. So I'm going to make that conversion right. right now. So go ahead and go. All
2: right, so when Terry Beard was on earlier with us, he has the uh, Michigan win in twenty four seventeen. And And, uh, you know, I, I have issue with that because I actually wrote about this on uh, iuers.com, uh, how Notre Dame can win this game. And it's going to come off the uh, the improvement Brandon Wimbush has made during the offseason. Uh, even though they had some pieces off the offensive line. And everybody in the country thinks it's impossible to place Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey off the offensive line. And also replacing Josh Adams, you know, the running back, you know, 1,300, 1,400-yard rusher last year. I still think they're going to be able to do it with Jafar Anderson. Uh, we're going to see Dexter Williams suit up. I'm not sure if we're going to see him start because he is suspended supposed to be suspended, but Brian Kelly said he's going to suit up, but did not say if he's going to play or not. If Dexter Williams plays, that is a game-changer for Notre Dame, because Dexter Williams will be the fastest player on the field when he's in the game. And we're also going to see Tony Jones Jr. at running back. So Notre Dame potentially is going to have a three-headed monster this year. All have different strengths, all have different weaknesses, and all are going to play in different setups on offense. And they, uh, they are still led are guarded by a pretty good offensive line, one of the better lines in the country. Notre Dame still has Sam Mustafer up front. You didn't hear about him last year because it's all about McGlinchey and Nelson. But Sam Mustafer is going to be another uh, offensive line uh, lineman taken in the first round of the NFL draft. So it's the line that we don't know about yet unless you're an Irish fan and you're a nerd like me and you read into all this stuff. Or And, you know, Notre Dame has three receivers over 6'4". So Wimbush is going to be able to have the win his 50-50 balls that he didn't win last year. Uh, Equinemia St. Brown was a great receiver last year, but he only stands about six foot tall, and he's not really your guy that you can just throw the ball up to and hope he goes up and gets it because you know your corners are also about six foot tall. But with Chase Claypool, Alizé Mack, and, and Miles Boykin being over six foot tall, uh, this gives uh, Notre Dame an advantage in the passing game as well. So it comes down to the improvements that Brandon Wimbush has made during the off season uh he lacked confidence last year especially late in the season you know they got drummed they got the break speed off of him down at Miami and that was all Wimbush not being able to make a 10 yard pass so he's going to get going to have to get that out of his head this year cuz it's going to happen tonight cuz if he can't make 10 yard throws tonight against Michigan Notre Dame is done i mean they're, they're going to be done and we're going to see it early so we're going to see what they're going to do how he's going to react to pressure the throws he's going to be able to make. Can the offensive lines block Michigan up front? Because Michigan uh, brings in one of the best defensive lines in, in the country. And uh, I, I will disagree with Terry Beard because of the uh, the home game aspect and everything that's surrounding this game. And you can turn on ESPN College Game Day right now and actually see like just it, it's already a party. So Michigan's going to be walking into Notre Dame Stadium already uh, up against that. I think it's going to be a 27-17 win. Two-score game uh, for the Irish, and we're still not having Tom. Tom has still left the show, and I'm trying to break down this Irish game all alone. <laughs> Where are you at, Tom? I need your talking points. So one game we didn't hit on just yet was uh, the yeah, – actually, we did. We hit on uh, Washington and, and Auburn. I think it's a, it's a bigger win for uh, – it's going to be a big. Needs to be a bigger win for Washington. Washington needs this game because they don't have the schedule that. Uh, well, was okay, to and I,
1: I and I'm back, oh, Rick.
2: God.
0: I talks, like,
2: just on about anything in the world when there's absolutely zero talking point to go off of. <laughs>
1: come on, man. Got to got to learn how to how to go on the fly. The show I, must come on. I, it's, I, it's not, it's, not like, yeah. it's, the,
2: uh, it's not like I dropped and
1: the It's not like I dropped you off during the racing segment or anything.
2: Yeah, I would have just hung up on the show. <laughs> <laughs> you got no you got no
0: skin in this game?
1: Uh, what'd I miss?
2: Uh I just broke down my Irish said uh, what what's gonna happen in the Irish game tonight and final score?
1: All right, guys, let's get it. I appreciate your patience. 91798516 is my, my digits. Uh, I uh, had a credundum with my laptop. I left my power cord at the office, and uh, I uh, realized my battery was going dead. So I had to make a switch over to a different device. So I, it's okay. Hey, let's talk a little bit about uh, Kevin Sumlin. He'll make an instant impact in his new home in Tucson. Uh, of course, quarterback uh, that Kennelly Tate is is a Heisman <laughs> trophy can why do I have such a problem why can't people just name people normal names like Mike?
2: It's Khalil Tate.
1: Khalil
0: Khalil Khalil Tate.
1: Tate. All right. Khalil Tate. Uh certainly uh uh in the in the talk if not the only talk right now about the Heisman trophy so let's talk a little bit about uh, Tate and Kevin Smallin. I think that's a good uh, matchup out there in the desert.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good hire by Arizona. You know, when I was stationed out there, I wish that we had Kevin Sumlin as a head coach at Arizona because I would have gone to a lot more football games because that's actually, they're going to be a pretty good team. And uh, with Khalil Tate, uh, the way he performed last year, he's already getting some of the Heisman buzz last year, even up against Saquon Barkley. Khalil Tate was getting some Heisman talk last year. Uh, Not many people are talking about him this year. I know he's a Heisman candidate, but everybody's talking about Will Greer and Bryce Love and Jonathan Taylor up at Wisconsin. But Khalil Tate's out there in in Tucson, and he's going to put up a lot of gaudy numbers this year. I don't know if Arizona's going to have the wins that you'll want uh, uh, to pick a, a winner for the Heisman Trophy, but Khalil Tate is going to make a serious run.
1: Let's talk a little bit about Dan Mullen, his return to Starkville, both Mississippi State and Florida, uh, led by first-year coach Dan Mullen, will be undefeated when the Gators travel to Starkville on September 29th. The Bulldogs are a hot SEC West sleeper with a fantastic quarterback in Nick Fitzgerald, uh, but uh, first-year coach uh, Joe Moorhead can't lose this one.
2: Well, he's probably going to lose that one, even though they they have one of the more talented teams in the country. Because when Dan Mullen was at Mississippi State, uh, just several uh, top five like recruiting classes he brought into Mississippi State. But the weird thing with Mississippi State, they're they're never really built to win the SEC, and a school like Florida is. And even though we're coming off the Jim McElwain era in Florida, and he's going to have Jim McElwain's players, Dan Mullen is. Uh, he's still got a pretty good quarterback in Felipe Frank. And I, I think Florida, it's going to be a tough SEC game, but I, I think Florida is going, probably going to get the win. So Joe Moorhead is going to – he's a great offensive mind coming from Penn State, but his uh, his first game is not going to go his way. I, that's my thought anyway.
1: How dominant is Clemson's defense going to be this year? Uh, Clemson averaged three and a half, 3.3 sacks uh, per game last year
2: uh They're going to be like really dominant because they play a, a really weak schedule. And uh, the college football they, they reward teams like Clemson and Alabama uh, for playing weak schedules. They're just that's why I'm saying there are Clemson and Alabama are already going to be in the four team playoff based off like how good they are and how weak their schedule really schedules really are. So really, it's the rest of the country playing for the last two playoff spots, and that's why the playoff needs it needs to expand. So. It, Clemson's going to have no problems this year, maybe late when they play against the – if they play Miami or the ACC championship game, you know, maybe somebody might come within three touchdowns of them. But uh, their defense is really solid. The schedule's terrible. It's just like Alabama. And you know, those two are locked to being the top four. Did you mute your mic, or did that battery die, too? Yo, Tom.
1: Can you, can you hear me now?
2: Yep, got you now. Can you
1: hear right.
2: yeah, you sound like you're in a yeah. tunnel, though.
1: Yeah, stand by. I know. Hold
2: on
7: here. <laughs> okay, how's that?
2: That
1: sounds a little better. A little bit better. Okay. A little bit well, better. I did have to switch devices. So uh, I, uh, I had one mic muted and then the other mic muted. So I had to unmute and mute and unmute. Gotcha. So go ahead, sir. What are what are your final four? Uh, you said you had them already decided. What are your final four uh, teams for college football this year? We haven't even play, uh, went through g- uh, week one, but we already know who our final four is.
2: I think it's going. To, it's definitely going to be Clemson, Alabama. Uh I think it's going to be uh, – it's Clemson, Alabama. I don't think Georgia gets in this year. I think it's going to be Ohio State and Auburn, even though with Urban Meyer, uh, he's, he's going to hear about it all year. I don't even think he can do a post-game press, uh, press conference after a win because all the questions are just going to be about the, uh, the case and the investigation and nothing about football. But I, I think they're probably going to win every game this year. I, I don't think they're going to have a problem with Michigan uh, late in the season. You know, be the last game of the season. Maybe. I think Michigan's going to get better and better as the season goes on, but I still think they're going to lose to Ohio State. So my final four is going to be Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and Auburn.
1: Well, I, I, I have a little bit of a credundum with your uh, Ohio State pick. I'm, I'm Like I said, I'm going to uh, stick with Penn State, uh, doing what they have to do to take care of business. I think in the Big Ten Championship, it's going to be a Wisconsin and Penn State, and uh, Penn State gets into the the Final Four. I will go with Alabama, obviously, because uh, you can't root against Alabama until it's obvious to root against Alabama. Uh, Auburn and Clemson, again, the National College Football uh, uh, Championship was designed for the South. I'd be curious to see uh, if we get anybody from the West – or the Pac-12, like Stanford or uh, Washington, I don't see that to be very bloody likely. So I'll go with all three of your picks, but instead of Ohio State, insert Penn State here.
9: Well, my
2: problem with Penn State, it's just going to be so hard to replace Saquon Barkley. Even though i got is also he's still a quarterback. He's a Heisman Trophy candidate. They lost their offensive coordinator, uh, Joe Moorhead, who's now the head coach of Mississippi State, we, we just talked about. Uh, they got a lot of stuff to replace. So when you lose just your big impact positions like that, uh, it takes about another year to, to really replace that. And you know, and that's my problem with Michigan also. We didn't bring it up with Terry. Uh, Jim McElwain was the head coach of Florida. He's now the offensive coordinator at Michigan. And, you know, they, his brand of football is very boring down in Florida. So I don't know how it's going to work with Jim Harbaugh and everything up in Michigan when they have a, a power running team with a, a spread style quarterback and a very boring offensive coordinator that's all got to come together tonight in South Bend and uh, you know Penn State's going to have the, the, the same issue it's breaking a new offensive coordinator bringing in new running backs they lose all the production Saquon Barkley has and that's the difference that's why I believe it's going to be Ohio State over Penn State in in the uh, in the Big Ten
1: well, let's talk a little bit about tonight's game. A few more minutes while we've got you here. Obviously, uh, Notre Dame is going to be missing a few beats as well. One of them, Quentin Nelson. We talked about it on Breaking Rank. Uh, Quentin Nelson here in Indianapolis, and I'm certainly very impressed. and glad that he's a Colt. Uh, but uh, that's going to leave a hole in the gap uh, there in the O-line with, uh, with uh, uh, Notre Dame. Uh, do you think that the loss of Quentin Nelson and, and others to the NFL is going to be a an Achilles heel, if you will.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's definitely going to be a big problem. It's going to be a problem. I we'll wouldn't say a big problem, but losing uh, Quentin Nelson and Michael Glinchey, this is what I was talking about whenever uh, you were changing your microphones, uh, it's going to be a problem. Also losing Josh Adams to the NFL also. There, there's, that's, that's a big position to fill. But they have Sam Musterfer up front that I think is go, still going to be a – he's going to be an NFL first-rounder, offensive lineman. They have Tommy Kramer who's also one of the top offensive linemen in the country. So they still have some pieces up front. Uh, if Dexter William plays, nobody really knows because uh, he's going to dress and he's going to be there, but he may or may not be suspended. Notre Dame hasn't come out with that. If he, if he plays at running back, he'll be the fastest player in the field. But Jafar Anderson and Tony Jones Jr. are also going to be at running back, and uh, they're also good backs to have in a passing game. So – they got pieces. They they got players that can step in. You know the way it's been under Brian Kelly. He's a good recruiter. Brings in a lot of depth. It's always been next man up at Notre Dame since he's been there, which I kind of like. You know he he's built up the depth there, uh, but replacing Glinsky and Nelson, it, that's going to be tough to do, especially against uh, Michigan, which is one of the best defensive lines in the country.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about Michigan and their Achilles heel, their safety position. If the if uh, certainly if uh, uh, Notre Dame can can do well and as far as blocking those safeties, I'm going to tell you one thing. That's the Achilles heel for Michigan, and I and I I am going to make another bold uh, prediction here uh, that uh, Michigan uh, Michigan falls 0 and two before they get their first win. That is definitely going to put Jim Harbaugh on on the hot seat, and I think that Notre Dame is going to be close. This is not going to be a lay down win by any stretch of your imagination, but I, see, I certainly think if, if uh, Notre Dame can attack that safety position uh, against uh, Michigan State, uh, I'm not, sorry, I don't know why it's Michigan State. Michigan, uh, they'll have a very good chance of winning. And uh, Michigan goes 0 2, and uh, the, the hot seat, Jim Harbaugh, is going to be on fire.
2: Yeah, if Michigan starts out 0 2, it's definitely he's definitely going to be on the hot seat. Uh, if they lose tonight, I'm going to say no because uh, even though this game is really going to set the tone for the season, probably, but it's it's not going to hurt either team too bad to take a loss right here because Michigan has a schedule to support a, a pretty good run. If they can there can't be any more mistakes after a loss tonight. They're going to have to run the table. But I I think both teams could still make the playoff with one loss. If it's a close enough loss, it can't be a blowout loss. It has to be a close loss tonight. That's not going to kill the season for either team. We saw Notre Dame lose by one to Georgia last year at home in week two, and they ran the table all the way up until Miami. But they were still in the playoff. They were the third-ranked team in the country, Notre Dame was, when they went into that Miami game last year. I think the same scenario is pretty much going to happen with these two teams. Whichever team has had the close loss, they have the schedule and a good enough team to actually win the rest of the season. If that happens, I think a one loss Notre Dame and a one loss Michigan still gets in the playoffs.
1: Well, we'll see how it all wraps up. We'll certainly be having our eyes on uh, the Michigan Notre Dame game as well as the other uh, games as well. And uh, so, certainly, uh, from a personal aspect, hope you enjoyed the game. You and Terry. I know we're going to the beauty shop uh, here, yeah. so uh, I know you got <laughs> to hop off here. Steve Wilson's down at Darlington, uh, getting ready to walk through the track, give us a call, and talk to NASCAR. They're coming up uh, at the bottom of the hour at Kratz, and Mo going to be joining us. We're going to talk about some preseason NFL and fantasy talk as we get ready for our fantasy football draft. And good luck to you tomorrow, sir, in the balanced fantasy football draft. All right. Thank you, buddy. All right, thank you Rick Reagan, our executive producer Um, My name is Tom Marcusell, Presidente We'll take a quick break, we'll get back We'll be talking with uh, Steve Wilson uh, From uh, Speedway Digest Right here on the Balance Radio Network Tonight
3: The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom.
4: It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure.
5: What?
6: She's so like, i all come around here, and we hold her where we
1: All right, and welcome back to The Balance. My name is Sal Mark, i Presidente. I do believe we've got Steve Wilson on the line with us. Steve, are you with us,
8: sir? Yes, I'm here.
1: Okay. Didn't recognize the number. It looked like a different number, so I wanted to just make sure that I had the right line. Oh, But I'm certainly uh, down in Darlington. I know you've got a lot going on there. I appreciate you taking some time uh, to jump on and talk a little uh, NASCAR. Well, this has been a couple of weeks uh, since we've been able to talk, so uh, bring us up to speed what's going on this weekend. Obviously, you're down in Darlington. Uh, talk with us a little bit about that action. We'll be talking also about the, the Brickyard coming
8: up next weekend. Well, the Cup Series has been off since Bristol a couple of weeks ago. Kind of back at a short track where tire management is going to be an issue this weekend. Um, you know, the hot sun, it's going to be 90-plus degrees during race time, over 100 degrees on the 100, about 130, 140-degree temperature on the track. So these cars are going to be able to slip and slide around, give it a little bit of a short track feel. If you, don't, if you step out a little too far, you're going to get one of those famous Darlington Stripes. But this weekend is all about the throwbacks. Uh, everybody in the Xfinity series and the Cup series is throwing this back. A lot of cool paint schemes out this weekend that we're going to see on the cars. Some people that are old school race fans are going to recognize. Some new school race fans are probably going to not see recognize what uh, they've got on the racetrack this weekend as far as the paint schemes and who they're going. You know, at least to give them a good history lesson this weekend. Well, absolutely. I always love
1: Throwback Week, uh, especially as you mentioned old school uh, NASCAR coming back, uh, the SCP cars, all the the old cars uh, that are coming back. I, but uh, the one car I'm sure you won't see is the old Winston car. Uh, but that's neither here nor here nor there. Uh, Darlington has a rich uh, history with NASCAR. So Talk a little bit about Darlington, the track. Uh, as you mentioned, the tire is going to be one issue. Heat's going to be another issue. Uh, but certainly uh, a, a, a Uh, historical track for NASCAR in in, in Darlington. So talk with us a little bit about Darlington uh, Speedway, the track, and uh, what makes it such a legacy track for NASCAR.
8: Darlington Raceway, this is its 69th year in existence. It makes it one of the oldest tracks on the circuit, aside from Martinsville that we go to every year. Um, This track is the first super speedway with 500-mile races, Um, some of the old races here, there was as many as uh, 60 plus cars that would enter these events back in the 50s. Um, Today this track um, it's asphalt, is a Carolina sand asphalt, which is a little bit different than what they use at other racetracks around the um, I already talked about the tire wear, that this track is already, already going to be an issue this weekend. Um, but the track is an x shaped oval out there. And the reason why, it's uh, because there's an old uh, minnow pond outside of uh, Turn 4, which uh, uh, the, the back in the 50s, the landowner wouldn't let them build out. So it's a shorter tra- trip around turns 3 and 4, which a lot of people will get out there and hang that thing out and uh, run all the way up near the wall. Uh, Carl Larson and some of these other drivers that are used to sprint cars, we'll see them run way up against the wall uh, both uh, this weekend throughout the Southern 500.
1: Absolutely. Sorry about that. Uh, I had to switch devices earlier, so it, I got a little bit of a delay, and I do, uh, I do apologize about that. Let's talk a little bit about some of the personnel on the track. Kurt Busch, uh, we know, is looking at a couple contract offers. Uh, uh, have you uh, heard anything as far as where that might, where Kurt Bush might be ending up at, and as far as how his contract negotiations are going?
8: Well, Kurt Busch, last year, he only signed a one-year contract with Stuart Haas Racing, so did uh, Monster Energy as an extension for them. This year, he hasn't really indicated a lot of where he is going to go or what he's going to do. There has been some rumors about Monster Energy is interested in going to Chip Ganassi Racing, so that could potentially put Jamie McMurray as the odd man out, if that is true. Um, However, nothing is really confirmed at this point, and if Monster Energy is going to jump ship and going to go somewhere else, they've been tied to Kurt Busch for quite some number of years, and I would expect that wherever Monster Energy goes in their final year as a Cup Series uh, presenting sponsor, sponsor, Kurt Busch will most likely go along with them. But at this time, it's a lot of rumors as to where he's going to go, and uh, as far as where Monster Energy is going to go in their final year, so I think We'll just have to keep watching this over the next couple of weeks or so because uh, if Jamie McMurray is the odd man out over at Chip Ganassi Racing, um, there are some other vehicles and some other cars, especially with Casey Kane, uh, leaving at the end of the season where Jamie McMurray himself could go.
1: Well, we'll
8: see see what happens.
1: Another driver I wanted to ask you about, Jimmy Hamilton. I heard that he had some thinking spells there at Darlington. What do we know about that?
8: Uh, you, you broke out a little bit. I couldn't understand you. Uh,
1: I'm so sorry. I said uh, the other driver wanted to talk with you about, uh, Denny Hamilton. Denny Hamilton, uh, I heard that he had some painting spells there at Darlington. What do we know about that?
8: Well, it's very hot down here. It's 90 degrees. We had an issue with this just a couple of weeks ago with, um, with another driver, uh, Noah Gregson, who was um, – you know, at Pocono for the Truck Series event, and he had some issues with uh, heat just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, for, for these drivers this weekend, it, it's just going to be a very, very hot weekend. They, you know, this isn't something un, unusual for Darlington Raceway for it to be so hot down here for drivers to, to have an issue. Well, we
1: uh, certainly wish the best for him. Hopefully, he stays uh, hydrated. What as we look at uh, the races this weekend at Darlington? Uh, just real quickly, uh, uh, who do we think is uh, the dark horse, if you will? Who are we, who are we watching? Uh, what teams do we think uh, is because we're coming up on a championship uh, chase? Uh, talk with us a little bit about the chase itself and how that's shaping up.
8: Well, we've got a couple of drivers already locked in as it is right now. We've got this week and next week at Indy where they're going to end up at your home track next week um, as the end of the playoffs. So, um, you know, the top three, they're already locked in. uh Kyle Busch, and Kevin Harvick right now. I think this weekend is just going to be – Hey, it's going to be another battle of attrition as to who's going to be able to make it. Last time out at Bristol, both Truex and Kyle Bush had a lot of problems out there, uh, although it doesn't really stop their championship run this year. Uh, this weekend, Kyle Larson, I think, is a good driver that you need to continue to watch because he's one of these drivers that um, can run that very, very high line. Uh, Casey Kane is another driver that I think will impress him and not win the race right now. Um, But Kevin Harvick, I think uh, he he has won here before in the Southern 500 about four years ago, and he's uh, been pretty fast. Some of the other fours, Blaney has been pretty fast this weekend. So I would look for them as well as Martin Truex Jr., who just won here two years ago, that uh, for them is somebody else we have to watch. So there's there's quite the, the crowd up front as there normally is on a, on a weekend with, with Kevin Harvicks and with the Martin Trox juniors, Ryan Blaney, and some of these other drivers. Um, but don't count out, like I said, Kyle Larson, somebody that can run that high line.
1: Real quickly, let's talk a little bit about IndyCar. This is our college football show, so we were only uh, able to kind of squeeze in racing here uh, with you, uh, IndyCar up in Portland. Uh, but certainly uh, one of the things that we hadn't had really had a chance to talk about uh, with uh, uh, with uh, uh net is Robert Wickens and his horrific crash what do we know about Robert Wickens how's his recovery coming what do we know
8: well, he's undergone some different procedures. He had a compression in the lower portion of his spine. um spine. That's pretty indicative of a, of a crash like that with a compression of the spine. Um, he's right now under recovery from those. He's been moved from Lehigh Valley Hospital um, to a treating facility that will rehab him. Uh, he will not be back this season at all. We're looking at 2019 before he comes back for Schmidt. Peterson Motorsports uh, for them. Uh, that That's a good thing. We've seen this in NASCAR that, you know, these drivers need a considerable amount of time after these compression type fractures. We saw this with Eric Almirola uh, two years ago or last year, sorry, with uh, him at Kansas. Um, same type of incident, same type of uh, compact or compression fractures. That took uh, a good four to five months before they were able to reenter the car. So, for him, he's got a long ways until the IndyCar season starts way back next spring. And uh, I think the longer he can stay out of these cars, the better it is uh, for those compression fractures in his spine and to get that rehabilitation.
1: Absolutely. What a horrific crash it was. And, I, I mean, I am so glad that, you know, I'm not glad that he's that he's out of the season. I'm glad that he's alive but I'm glad that he's able to uh, – there is the opportunity that he he's going to be able to come back. I know there were rumors that, that he might be paralyzed. There were rumors, a lot of things that he would never race again. So certainly things are starting to look brighter for Robert Wickens and, and we wish him the best. Uh, you know, certainly that we, we look at drivers who are looking for a ride, uh, and I want to kind of go two angles at this. I want to be sensitive about it, but I also want to – Point out the ridiculousness of this, and what I'm speaking of is Connor Daly and Eli Lilly pulling their sponsorship um, from Connor Daly, and then also Connor Daly was one of those drivers,
6: it in uh, bag in hand at the track
1: uh, for
6: IndyCar as well.
1: We know what happened with Connor Daly, and for those that don't know, this all got circulated with the Indianapolis Colts uh, broadcaster who repeated a story uh, that. Uh, Connor Daly's father said uh, several years ago, 20,
6: 30 years ago, one of his first interviews in America, in fact, Robin Miller said, uh, you can use that word here. So I'm not going to use the word, but I'm just going to say Michael Hill. Uh, in, the, in the interview, uh, Derek Daly, Connor Daly's father, said the question was proposed to him, and, that, and I'm taking it from, the accounts of New York Daily, I listened to
1: his interview here on local radio uh, quite in, in intensely. He said the question that was proposed to him, "What's it like to be in America? In America, what's it re- like to be on a an American team?" A phrase that is very common in Europe, even yet today, means something completely different here. Does the, he did not realize he was saying anything bad. So what he said is, "I feel like." the microphone in the woodpile, substitute microphone for the N-word, which was never meant to be a racist comment. Bob Lamey, uh, Indianapolis Colts announcer, recounted that that story, and a person, African-American person, young intern producer, overheard Bob Lamey telling the story. Like I just said to you, Bob Lamey was forced into retirement Uh, Derek Daly was fired. Now the sponsorships uh, for Connor Daly are being pulled. So Connor Daly is being punished for something that happened 30 years ago before he was ever born. This is ridiculous beyond ridiculous. That's my hot take. What are your thoughts, sir?
8: Um, I've kind of always said in these situations like this, that it's kind of hard to judge somebody in 2018 standards when – Something was said 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years ago, which was a, two, a completely separate set of standards uh, during that time um, Yes, there's there's some things that are you know between you know Europe and and the United States that are that are much different in our cultural uh, Differences as far as that's concerned. It's absorbent that anybody would use those types of language or those types of words Um, but you know for for Connor Daly's dad who was coming to America 30 or 40 years ago um, you know it's kind of hard to judge somebody's father uh, and hold the child accountable for something that they did before they were even born Um, and especially it's hard to judge somebody on 2018 standards for something that happened 30 or 40 years ago, regardless, sometimes uh, of the action, sometimes it's 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 hard to make the comparisons because we're but bu- we're a different culture today than we were 30 or 40 years ago when these things were, were coming out. We've changed a lot, and we've uh, we've we've grown from these things over the years. And I think um, for them to to um, to to pull Connor Daly's sponsorship. Um, just means that anybody at any time for something that they may or may not even been born for can be judged upon. Um, I I, I think it's a little ridiculous to be honest with you, but at the same time, um, you know, using those types of words and languages, you know, today is absolutely, you know, uncalled for.
1: Well, absolutely. That word should never be uttered and we will never utter it on this show. Uh, But it's just unfortunate. And I should point out for 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 those that that uh, have their their tin foil hats on and conspiracies going on and whatever Eli Lilly is based in Indianapolis, so there might be a connection there because of all of that. This whole story did originate here in Indianapolis. Hopefully Connor can get a ride. Hopefully people will realize that this was something that happened 30 years ago and was never. He was actually speaking about himself, Steve, when he when he made that comment. He wasn't speaking about a particular race of people. He was speaking about himself, that that he felt like he was the microphone in the lip pile. So, unfortunately, uh, it's my world, and and hopefully Connor Daly can find a ride. Let's uh, look at what's going forward here next weekend. Obviously, I'll be out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, covering the Brickyard uh, for Sweetway Digest, looking forward to that. But certainly always a a big on NASCAR's calendar every single year. What we've seen is a decline in um, attendance, if you will, at IndyCar, uh, I mean, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, um, certainly we won't see the crowds that we see with Indianapolis 500. Not that we would expect that, but certainly, hopefully, we, we begin to see an increase in crowds uh, at Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the Brickyard. But what are your thoughts as we go into uh, the Brickyard next weekend?
8: Well, I would hope that, you know, with them changing this to a little bit later on into the year, that the crowds will start to resurface out there. We're not going to see the crowds we saw when when they first went to Indy 25 years ago almost. Um, We're not going to see Indy 500 crowds either. Um, You know, you're right. I mean, fan counts are down across every single sport, not just NASCAR. This isn't a NASCAR problem. This is an every sport problem today. Um, and it's recapturing some of those fans of the year that have left or been priced out of the market or, or, or shifted in the market or, you know, the various different things that the dynamics that have happened over the last, you know, 10 to 18 years or so. Um, I think these fans hopefully will come out to Indianapolis. It's a It's a race that. Um, now has a lot of meaning. It's not just the Brickyard; It was considered one of the the premier events throughout the the NASCAR's calendar, but now it has even more meaning that a lot of these uh, drivers are either in, they're out, and when they go to Vegas the next week, um, you know, it really sets the stage for the rest of the year now.
1: Steve, as we look forward to Homestead here, as we wrap things up with you, I know you're there at the track, uh, but as we look forward to Homestead, is right now, it would seem that it would be Kevin Harvick's uh, championship to lose at this point.
8: Um, I don't think you can really count out any of them right now. Um, Martin Truex Jr., there's some racetracks coming up. There's You've got um, you've got Kansas that's going to be coming up. Truex has won at Homestead at the end of the year, so if he's sitting there in that top four coming into Homestead, you can't count him out. Kyle Busch, there's some racetracks coming up for him. Indianapolis is going to be one next week that – um, he could pretty, uh, maybe capitalize on uh, Kevin Hart. All three of them right now. It's really their races to lose um, when we get to the when we get to the playoffs. And every week for them, it's just going to be one more point or one more position away from either being in or being out um, when we get to when we get to Homestead in late November. So for them, um, they've got their own races to run. All three of them right now, I think, have uh, different the different tracks that they can run run at and win at um but I wouldn't count any of them out right now. I think there's a couple of out there dark horses right now um that may be able to squeeze into that fourth spot but you know that field is crowded right now that I think there's a lot of things that they're really going to have to um um do between now and uh, Homestead if they want to squeeze into that fourth spot.
1: Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest. Check them out at Speedway Digest. Uh, Steve's down in Darlington covering that race uh, today. So uh, stay cool, stay hydrated, sir. Uh, in spirit of our show today, college football opening weekend, uh, everybody's looking at uh, Florida State, their first game without Jimbo Fisher. I know that's your team. What are your thoughts?
8: Uh, I don't know what Willie Taggart is going to do. I'm hoping that he's going to put some points up on the board for us because we need some stuff to distract away from uh, Jimbo Fisher, to be honest with you. Um, he coming from Oregon out there, he seems to um, you know, be really working these, this team just as hard as Jimbo or Bobby Bowden did over the years. Uh, I'm hoping for a really good year. Um, it's going to be a transitional year for them. I, I don't expect them to – no, will not compete for the national championship by any means, but I expect them to be transforming themselves in the next two to three years to be on that competition level again. Well,
1: absolutely. I always say you got to give a new coach a couple, three years to see uh, what happens, and we'll see uh, how that goes on. Uh, Steve, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, stay hydrated and have a good race today.
8: Thanks. Have a good one. All right. All right,
1: buddy. Steve Wilson, editor in chief of Speedway Digest, calling us from Darlington. Obviously, throwback weekend, uh, throw, uh, throwing in our uh, racing segment here. It is college football opening weekend. Uh, Rick Riggin, executive producer, joined us as well uh, to talk on the first hour. And then coming up here, we're going to be getting into some NFL talk. And we're going to be uh, talking with Ed Kratz, our official uh, NFL contributor, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to be talking preseason NFL. And also get you ready for your fantasy football drafts this weekend. My name is Tom Mark Masell, president Chase. We'll be right back right after this.
5: When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing—like Swedish techno confusing. makes it easy with 24 7 access all you have to do is go to geico.com and you can save money on car insurance it just makes sense unlike you know dance with me purple cow i like your
3: mood
5: when you don't go to geico.com car insurance can be hard
3: the air national guard is a reserve component of the united states air force and serves alongside active duty air force members in times of a national crisis in addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be a far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom.
4: It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure.
1: All right, and welcome back to the balance. My name is Mark President. Presidente. We had a little bit of a mic mic switcheroo earlier on in the show, so we're, we are dealing with kind of a delay. So my apologies. and appreciate your patience. Thank you so much for joining us. in it it's college football opening week. Uh, we've been talking on the entire first hour, breaking down all the college action with Rick Riggin, executive producer of the uh, Balanced and uh, Host of Breaking Rank. But now it's time to get into our NFL talk. We'll also maybe throw in some little college football talk as well. Ed Kraft, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and the official NFL contributor, joins us as we wrap up. Uh, some would say meaningless, meaningless uh, preseason uh, week four, uh, but it means a lot if you're trying to earn a job. Ed, how are you doing, sir? Hey, I'm, I'm doing a lot better than a lot of these uh, NFL
9: guys who are on the bubble are doing. They're sitting on pins and needles right now for sure.
1: Well, absolutely. And, and as, as we've said on this show uh, multiple times, uh, they may not get a job with the Philadelphia Eagles or the Indianapolis Colts or the New York Giants or the Dallas Cowboys or any of the other teams. But this is a job interview to be on tape, and, and let's also face it, the fact that a lot of these players will be moved over to practice squads, and it, granted that may not be uh, NFL dream salary, but, you know, practice squad uh, players still make 120000 $150,000 a year, not bad for some young kids out of college.
9: Yeah, and it gives them hope that they can still uh, become part of the NFL, land on somebody's 53 man roster. So, yeah, it's more than just about money for those guys. It's about keeping that dream alive.
1: Well, last night's games or this week uh, four's games are dream, uh, dream makers or dream uh, breakers, uh, that's for sure. So, talk to us a little bit about some of the takeaways that you saw in the NFL, across the NFL, and we'll start with the Eagles, and we can get work our way around the league if you want. What are some of the takeaways that we saw in, in the preseason this year as we get ready to uh, go into full-blown NFL season? Can we get an amen? Amen. <laughs> <Hey, hey> <laughs>
9: um, well, to start with the Eagles, I guess. I mean, you know, the big question still is Carson Wentz or Nick Foles, who's going to start Thursday night uh, when the Atlanta Falcons come to Philadelphia to kick off the NFL season? Um I'm hoping that we should know something this weekend. The Eagles begin practice for that game on Sunday, so uh, you know that's really the big question. I think as far as the preseason goes with the Eagles, I don't think it was overly impressive. You know, they they didn't do much. They uh, they scored with 18 seconds left in their season preseason finale against the Jets on Thursday to prevent a winless preseason. Uh, They finished one and three. There's just not a lot of jobs to be won on this roster though. And the Eagles played most of the preseason without a lot of their key guys like Jason Peters and Darren Sproles and Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Graham. I mean, the list just goes on. They didn't have Wentz available. So, uh, you know, to me, you know, the preseason really didn't reveal much uh, for the Eagles. I think that uh, it might take them a little while to kind of rev up that engine. Uh, to try to make another push to to get back to the super Bowl um just because the you know they didn't have a lot of guys to uh practice this summer, you know a lot of their key guys, so it might take them a little while to kind of scrape off some of that rust and uh you know they might not hit their stride until after a month or so of the season um that's not a, a, untypical for you know a super Bowl team. I know when the Seattle Seahawks went back-to-back years they won the first you know the first Super Bowl they won they came back the following year and they were three and three uh before winning nine of their last ten to get back to the Super Bowl where they lost to the Patriots so um that's my impression of the Eagles I know the Colts are big you know big for you Tom since they're in your backyard oh yeah I think with Andrew oh, yeah Yeah, I think you have to be encouraged with Andrew Luck right I mean he uh you know he played in the preseason he he, he got through it healthy uh and the Colts are ready to hit the ground running with him and uh, you know, they're in a tough division, so you know, we'll see how uh, how things unfold for them, but certainly to have Andrew Luck heading in the season, uh, that is encouraging news for the Colts, and and then you look around the league, some things that are happening today, you know, the, the big trade of Khalil Mack to the uh, Chicago Bears, apparently, uh, you know, the Oakland Raiders are shipping him out, John Gruden, for some reason, has decided to cut bait with the best player in the NFL, the best defensive player in the NFL, and uh, trading him to the Bears, I think, the for two number one picks, and then you look at the Buffalo Bills, they released receiver Corey Coleman today after they had acquired him in a trade from the Browns, a former number one pick, uh, is back out on the, on the street for someone to grab. I, you know, I mean, this will uh, be his third team if someone claims him. But, uh, you know, that's interesting news. So, you know, you look around the league, and the, today's a very busy day. Teams are going to get to their 53 players. There's going to be a lot of unemployed guys out there, and there's going to be a lot of hopeful guys if they land on practice squads. Um, it's going to make for a busy day. I know in Philadelphia, the general manager, Howie Roseman, is going to uh, meet with reporters around 435 to talk about the moves that the Eagles made.
1: So what's the process? Maybe uh, take us behind the scenes. Uh, for those that don't know, obviously we know this is a lemonade team. they got to get down to the roster. A lot of people are going to get cut, especially those people that are on the bubble. Uh, what's the process as far as do they turn on their iPads
0: only to find them
1: not work?
6: Is that how they find out? Does their agents let them know? Do they get called in one by one by the coaches and
1: say, we're going to go in a different
6: direction, uh, we appreciate your time, blah, blah, blah,
1: blah. What's the process of, of letting or wrecking someone's dreams, if you will? It's, it's a hard job, but it is part of the job, and it is part of being in a very competitive environment.
9: Yeah, well, I think that, that it's – you know, depending on the team. I know in Philadelphia, they try to reach out and make contact with players personally and let them know. Um, Sometimes they can't. Sometimes players leave their phones off and they don't want to hear the news and then they'll turn it on and maybe there's a text from an agent or someone with the team saying, you know, sorry, you didn't make the team or uh, you know, please uh, return your playbook, uh, you know, this afternoon or, you know, whenever they get cut. So uh, I know some teams might not be as personal, maybe with that and they might just have the agent inform them. Um, But I know in Philadelphia, they do like to try to reach out to each player and let them know personally if they can. Uh, And then if they want to try to get them back to the practice squad, they'll tell them, listen, you know, don't go far. We're going to try to bring you back. Uh, I think practice squads have to be set Sunday by one o'clock. You're allowed to add up to 10 players there. Uh, But first you have to clear waivers. Once you get released, any team can claim you for a, I think it's a 12 hour period. Uh, and then, you know, you can bring them back to the practice squad if nobody claims you. So, uh, you know, that's kind of behind the scenes a little bit. I mean, teams do try to let them know they think personally, but, you know, it's a tough, cruel business. And, you know, uh, there's 90 players on the roster heading up to, you know, today, uh, and you have to be at 53. So that's 37 guys on each team that have to lose their jobs uh, in some form. So, uh that's a lot of players to contact personally and let them know, you know, via phone. So some of it's done by text, some of it's done through the agent, uh, but they have to get their playbooks back to the team. So, you know, that's an issue too. So they'll, they'll see the player once they return the, the playbook.
1: Well, absolutely. And, and you know, certainly uh, it's, it's always uh, uh, interesting to see those that, that, that make it and those that don't. Cause a lot of times, you know, a perfect example, our, our final game uh, was against the Cincinnati Bengals in preseason. But we also open up the season. And when I say we, I mean Indianapolis Colts. Uh, (laughs) But uh, we open up the the season with the Bengals. But it's going to be a completely different uh, group of people on opening day than what it was uh, at the end of that day. And uh, of course, a lot of people uh, were like, oh my God, Luck didn't play. Well, Luck didn't play because he didn't need to play. But also, he did have a little bit of a sprain in his foot. I think he's good to go. I don't think there's any problems there. Of course, that's Luck, that's Andrew Luck, and that's just the talk of, of what's going on. Let's talk about some of the big news. Odell Beckman, well, his dream came true, and he's going to be a New York Giant and a very wealthy New York Giant,
3: as well as a
1: very capable receiver and a, a what I would call a missing link or maybe not even the weak link between Eli Manning and a very strong New York Giants. What are your thoughts about Odell Beckman cashing
9: in? Yeah, OBJ, uh, I think he's the highest-paid wide receiver now, I'm not mistaken. Uh, I but think he, is. He, uh, yeah, yeah, he Yeah, but, you know, with him, there's always that maturity level. You know, uh, you know. I know these receivers can be prima donnas, and, um, you know, and, and he certainly is one of those. And I know Eli has tried to c- talk to him and calm him down a little bit and focus on the team. And I remember when the Giants made the playoffs a couple of years, there was that big party boat that they rented down in Florida uh, instead of preparing for a playoff game, they're down in South Florida out on a charter fishing boat, living it up. So OBJ was part of that. Odell Beckham, he was part of that crew that did that. So, you know, there's some off field stuff. You hope now that he's a little more secure with his financial situation. He's a little more business-like the way he approaches, uh, you know, off the field stuff and the way he uh, acts in game uh and he helps the Giants uh go where they want to go, which is back into the playoffs and try to make one last rush at a Super Bowl for Eli Manning, who's not getting any younger and uh certainly the you know doesn't have a whole lot of time left, I wouldn't think um so yeah, I mean he's a great piece to have in play for them. I think the Giants offensively have some really nice uh additions or some nice weapons you know they have the tight end Evan engram and uh they have Odell Beckham now they have Sterling Shepard, another receiver. Uh, and they, I think they've upgraded their offensive line. So, yeah, the Giants are going to be a very good team, and they have a happy Odell Beckham, and uh, that's a good start going into the year.
1: They ought to do a meme with him reaching out with one hand with uh, grabbing the big check.
9: That's what that's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, you, well, see a lot yeah but you see a lot of receivers nowadays making those one-handed catches. You know, I know Beckham gets a lot of – you know, pub for that, I think it came on a primetime game, and it was a heck of a catch. But you've seen some other great catches with one hand and receivers, too, like Jarvis Landry for the Cleveland Browns. If you're watching hard knocks, yep. you, you know, you see that guy making one-handed catches all the time. I mean, he's just a tremendous uh, receiver as well. <clears throat> Excuse me, a receiver as well. So, you know, you're, you're seeing more and more receivers being able to do that for
1: sure. Well, so uh, also, uh, just uh, for those that are here in Indianapolis or fans of Indianapolis, uh, Cole uh, might remember Pat McAfee, which was one of the greatest runners we've had in recent memory. You know, he left Indianapolis Colts, basically retired, and went to work for uh, Bar
0: Barstool
1: Sports uh, as a podcaster and, and that sort of stuff. He has now uh, parted ways with Barstool Sports and is looking for an opportunity for a team to take a look at him. Uh, won't be the Indianapolis Colts. He does not feel like he would ever come back to the Indianapolis Colts for both personal and professional reasons. But Pat do you think Pat McAfee still has what it takes to be a punter in the NFL? Huh, well I wasn't
9: aware that he, he left Bar School sports and he wants back in. How old is he, do you know? I don't I don't know. Uh and how long he is, is... twenty seven maybe?
1: Twenty eight? Oh, how
9: long has he how long has he been out of the game?
1: Three years maybe? So Oh wow.
9: Well, well sounds like he might you know who knows if he's kept him his leg in shape? Yeah, I, I guess he could. I know uh, in Philadelphia they're going with a rookie Cameron Johnston, who punted at Penn, or Ohio State. Uh, he was in camp last year, but he didn't make the team, and this year he's going to be their guy. Um, but there was some concern over whether or not they would have to bring in somebody else. But he actually had a pretty good camp, but he'll be watched closely. And I know there's another punter on the street too that's out there, Donnie Jones, who was the Eagles punter last year and decided to retire, and then changed his mind and. Uh, the Eagles released him from the retirement list, so he's out there, too. So, you know, Jones and McAfee, I guess they would be guys that, uh, you know, if a team needs a punter, sure, why not try to bring in a veteran and see what the leg can uh, do for him. Absolutely. We'll
1: keep it in the spirit of our show today, college football opening weekend. Absolutely exciting time, and probably next to or equal to the opening day of the NFL. Uh, Your Penn State uh, Nittany Lions, are uh, going to be without Barkley. Obviously, Barkley, a, a magnificent tool up there at the Giants as well. Uh, certainly going to be a, a super uh, fantasy pickup, one would think, uh, during fantasy drafts. Uh, but uh, what are your thoughts on Penn State? I Honestly, myself, personally, I think that Penn State, with all of this going on with Ohio State, I think Penn State's got a great schedule. I think they go into the Big Ten Championship against Wisconsin, beat uh Wisconsin and they eke into the uh final four of the college football uh uh playoffs. What are you, what are your thoughts? Whew wow yeah that's uh you're already
9: looking down at the down the room December here. <laughs> I'm, I'm going far. that far.
1: I'm going there. Uh, yeah. I'm going there. <laughs>
9: <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna join you on that limb just yet, but uh you know, I think Penn State has a good returning team. Uh, you know Saquon Barkley obviously number two overall pick in the draft. He's gone but uh you know penn state's pretty high on miles saunders and he saw some time and relief of barkley last year and uh certainly you know he's not saquon barkley but i don't think he's going to be too much of a step down and you know i think because you still have the quarterback trace mcsorley who's back and uh you know he's i've seen he's kind of listed in some heisman you know some preseason heisman trophy talk so uh you know he's certainly dynamic mcsorley very competitive, very fiery, likes to win, Uh, and that's where it all starts. And He's back. He's very experienced. This is his third year starting, and uh, I think what you'll see this year from Penn State is a better offensive line, a more veteran offensive line. Uh, That's kind of been their, if you want to say a weak spot the past couple years is the youth of that offensive line. Well, now it's veterans. Uh, These guys have gotten a lot of time together, and I think that should be a big strength for them. Um, you know, one of the areas I think is a concern is the, is the wide receiver group. Uh, you know, they lost a couple guys on the, on the perimeter there. Um, so, you know, some guys are going to have to step up there. But, that's you know, again, that's the way college football is. You lose guys. Every team's in that boat. Uh, Penn State certainly is at some spots, but they're very strong at others. The line, like I mentioned, uh, you know, offensively, and then the quarterback, and then I don't think Miles Saunders – is going to be that big of a step down from Barkley. Uh, He'll be able to do some of the things that Barkley did. Um, You know, he won't be as good, I don't think, but I don't think he needs to be.
1: Joining us is uh, is Ed Kraft, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor, and also our official contributor of all accounts, and that is uh, Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, how are you doing, sir? Good, guys. Are are you going to be all right there? Are you getting all choked up?
10: (laughs) Yes, anytime I'm on with that, I do get a little choked up.
1: (laughs) I understand. Well, well, Mo, we wanted to get your thoughts. Obviously, uh, college football opening weekend, big game. uh, One that we're following closely here, Rick, is going to be glued to the tube at V dubs tonight. Uh, Watching – Notre Dame and Michigan, Big rivalry here. I think that Michigan beats. Uh, I mean, I think that Notre Dame beats Michigan. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is the most overrated, overpaid coach. If he loses, he's eight and eight. His seat definitely begins to heat up a little bit. And I think they're going to go 0 and 2 before they get a win. Uh, Michigan is in deep trouble before they even start. Well, no?
10: Well, you know, I, I think the one thing Michigan has lacked over the last few years is a, a very uh, substantial quarterback, and I think that they found that this year. So, uh, you know, I think Michigan brings a lot of guys back. Uh, we a lot of guys on defense. They did have an early injury uh, to their wide receiver. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think that Michigan may have finally found that missing piece in, in a quarterback. Uh, and so I, I think that Michigan probably comes out and wins this football game. You know, I think there's some questions uh, in many different areas with Notre Dame. I think we could see uh, maybe a season where, uh, you know, it could be Brian Kelly on the hot seat as opposed to Jim Harbaugh. I think I think something egregious is going to have to happen for Harbaugh to uh, be on the hot seat. You know, it's going to have to be a pretty terrible season for him to be on his way out because he has a, uh, another spotlight to that Michigan program. Uh, has he beat Ohio State yet? No, it, 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 but they've been to some uh, pretty decent bowl games. And, uh, you know, and Jim Harbaugh's done a lot of good there at Michigan. But I think this year uh, with a uh, a uh, quarterback like Shea Patterson. I think this is the year that Michigan could uh, do some damage in the Big Ten.
1: Guys, I want to get your thoughts on something here. Obviously, uh, we don't need to go all the way down the Urban Meyer Trail. We beat that to death on Breaking Rank and other parts of the show. One of the things that I do think is going to happen, Urban Meyer is not going to be the coach of Ohio State next year. I think Cleveland, he's going to go to the Cleveland Browns. This is just my thought pattern. And Lane Kiffin gets a shot at either LSU or um, Ohio State has another head coach. I know he's failed miserably three times, but I think Ohio State would give Lane Kiffin a look. What are your thoughts, about? Well,
10: you know, Urban Meyer tends to stick around about six or seven years and then uh, then bolt as things uh, start to, uh, you know, come to light. And, and it, it could be very possible that, uh, that Urban Meyer is gone, but I, I would say that there would have to be some more things that come out in order for that to happen. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously – Ohio State uh, really decided that football was more important than, uh, than anything else when it came to keeping Urban Meyer on. So I don't see why a coach would fight so hard to keep his job and then, uh, then leave, but that seemed to be his pattern so far. Uh, you know, Lane Kiffin, you know, it's hard to say. He's, he's blown up a couple different spots he's been at. Uh, I, I think maybe he is more suited to be a coordinator at this point for a big-time program. Like Ohio State to give uh, Lane Kiffin a shot, I think things would have to be pretty dire and desperate there. Uh, I think he's found a, a decent spot for him in the Towns talents of to Florida Atlantic. It, it's hard for me to see him coming back to a very big time program like that.
1: Well, Florida Atlantic, we're keeping our eyes on today against Oklahoma. A lot of implications with that game, especially if they pull out a win. Ed, what are your thoughts? Possibly Urban Meyer. I know we're way down the road on this, but uh, certainly we got to have the rumors still, uh, circulating quite uh, uh, frequently. Uh, Urban Meyer chooses uh, to move him brown in 2019. <laughs> 2020, uh, whatever the year would be. <laughs> Next
0: year. 2019, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know.
9: Um, you know, we got to see how the Browns do. Clearly they have more talent this year, I think, than they've had in the past. And, you know, I've watched this hard knock show with Hugh Jackson, and he certainly doesn't seem like he inspires a whole lot of confidence that he can turn this thing around. And uh, But we'll see. You know, maybe talent will out-trump coaching, will, you know, but I don't know. So, I, you know, I'm not sure Hugh Jackson, if he goes 8-8, eight and eight, is going to lose his job. Uh but that doesn't mean urban Meyer won't leave ohio state i guess that's possible uh does he want to coach in the pros you know we'll we'll see i'm sure the pros would love to have him the team would love to have him um would it be cleveland I, I you know we'll have to wait and see you know there's some other coaches still probably be on the hot seat maybe um you know finally marvin lewis and cincinnati depending on how they do this season um but yeah I, you know I, I i could see urban meyer leaving ohio state after this year like mo said he tends to kind of wear out his welcome a little bit or uh, as things come to light, as the walls start crumbling around him after, you know, five, six, seven years. So uh, I can see that possibly happening. But as far as him going to Cleveland, I, I don't know about that. Uh, you, know, you know, it could be another college job. I don't see what would be more prestigious than Ohio State, though. Um, so maybe it would be the pros. But which team in the pros, I, I have no idea who that could be.
1: Well, the only more prestigious job would be uh, Alabama, and we know Nick Saban's not going anywhere. Bo, I know you come right. to the Chicago Bears on a regular basis. That's kind of your world, your neighborhood, if you will. The Chicago Bears dotted some eyes across the T's in the preseasons. Are you happy with it going forward into to opening day?
10: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, with the addition of Khalil Mack, I think, uh, yeah, you know, you. You've got a young offense that's growing together. You still could always want more weapons at the wide receiver position. But, uh, you know, if they pull off this uh, this Khalil Mack trade, I think that uh, that definitely, um, you know, the Bears sending a couple first-rounders to get Khalil Mack I think is a no-brainer. And, you know, I, I wish uh, I wish the Colts would have <laughs> jumped into that too. You know, we saw Cleveland, that they could have possibly been in there. But uh, I think the pickup of Khalil Mack I think has to – that bring a lot of confidence there to Hallis Hall. And I think, uh, you know, maybe it changes the Bears' fortunes by maybe a game or two. Uh, you got a very, guy who's very vocal in the field, a guy who uh, is everywhere uh, making tackles. And I think that only steps up, at, 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 you know, the level of your defense. Now he'll have to get acclimated to, to their plays and their scheme, So I think it takes a few weeks. We hope that uh, Mitch Trubisky obviously takes another step forward. Uh, you gotta still like the running game and the offensive line the Bears have built. So, you know, I, I think, um, you know, week four, week five, when, uh, when max has been there and been back in shape, I think that uh, you can see a pretty ferocious defense as the uh, weather turns cold at Soldier Field.
1: Okay, guys, that before, well, we still got a few more minutes here before we have to wrap up and put a bow on it for today. I wanted to get some thoughts, and maybe opinions is probably the better thing than, than thoughts or facts on this. It's a very sensitive uh, topic, so I want to be c- careful about how I, I – Approach it, but what I want to do Is talk about Bob Lamey being forced Out by the Indianapolis Colts For those that may not have heard the story This has had a ripple effect All the way down to his son uh, Who races IndyCar And NASCAR and had a a sponsorship Removed uh, from this All of this circulated and started here In Indianapolis But it has been a huge national story So walk you through this If you don't know what happened, Bob Lamey Announcer for the Indianapolis Colts. He's been there for thirty some odd years. An icon, a legend. Um, told a story about Derek Daly, which is a race car driver, race car analyst here in Indianapolis. Uh, his son is Connor Daly. He raced in Formula One. Uh, he came over thirty some odd years ago to race in IndyCar. Uh, his he was had an interview. Uh, with an American reporter They asked him and, this, and I listened to Derek Daly's interview here locally um, And his story didn't change on national affiliates either That covered the story So I believe his story The question was asked Again, he was from Europe It was a different time then And it has a different meaning and connotation in Europe Than what it does here I will not use the word But I will insert the word microphone So the question was asked to Derek, uh, Derek Daly, what's it feel like to be on an American team, to be in America? What's it feel like? His response was, honestly, I feel like I'm the microphone in the wood pile. So, not microphone, but N word was used. Ro- uh, Robin Miller, who now uh, reports for Bracer Magazine, but was with Indianapolis Star for many years, covering IndyCar, goes, which, if you know Robin Miller, <laughs> he has no filter. So the fact that he would say this to him, it's pretty serious. He goes to, after the interview, he told Derek Daly, he goes, never use that word again here in the United States. It has a completely different meaning. He learned his lesson. He never used that word ever again. It is a very common phrase in Europe, okay? So fast forward here. Intern, African American. Again, not that that matters. I just want to put everything into context. Young, still in college worked intern for the Indianapolis Colts Radio Network, overheard Bob Lamey talking about this story to a very seasoned um, reporter here in town. It was just a conversation um, that was spawned over other things, uh, predominantly about LeBron James shop and just different things, Tiger Woods comments, different things. They were just having a com- conversation. Overheard conversation, said intern, went to HR, with MS, which is not who Bob Lamey is employed by, uh, but it is the flagship for the Colts. They turned the case over to the Colts. The Colts said, hey, go ahead and retire. We're going to pay your full pension. We're just going to announce that you're retired. Well, I tweeted out on the balance. I, t- I think I talked with you guys. I said, that, this does not pass the smell test. Bob Kravitz uh, with WTHR Uh, Here in Indianapolis Broke the story You might also know that he's the guy that broke the Deflategate story here in Indianapolis So very well known covering with Peyton Manning Broke the story that What I just told you So after that story was broke Derek Daly was then fired By CBS here As as a racing analyst was then fired After that um, Connor Daly, Derek Daly's son Sponsorship, Eli Lilly, which is based here in Indianapolis, was pulled from his race car. He is now kind of looking for a ride in IndyCar and or NASCAR. Also, um, he was in the Amazing Race, uh, and either he his the, the episodes with him are no longer going to be played in Rewind. So I know that's a long story. I know that's a long-winded story, but we have gotten to the point of uh, – Things just getting to be ridiculous again. Derek Gailey, 30 years ago, in an interview, one time, and was referring to himself. It was not racist. This has gone over the top. We'll start with you, Ed. What are your thoughts? Then we will get yours, Mel. Uh, well, uh, you know, I, I I'm
9: not, uh, you know, your 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 explanation aside, I'm not really that versed to what kind of happened and. I, you know, it's just the way things are today, right? I mean, it's just the way uh, America is today, and you know, people are sensitive to that. And um, you know, I, I guess, yeah, I guess I really don't have an opinion. I just think that uh, it happened, and you know, you, you move on from it. You know, I know it's a long career that uh, the announcer had, but you know, you, you move on. You know, he, he made a mistake, he got hurt, and uh, it's just just the way things go, I guess, in, in, in today's America.
1: Well, the problem with today's America is two broadcast legends' career is ruined over a, out of a comment that was made 30 years ago, referring to himself, not in a racist comment. And now the third generation uh, race car driver uh, in re- reality star TV, Connor Daly, who wasn't even warned at the time, is now suffering the backlash from this. That's the problem with modern-day America. But What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, I
10: mean – I understand that things were different back when, uh, when Derek Daly told the story and, 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 you know, in Bob lamys day, but uh, you know, I agree with that. I think, you know, even uh, regardless of your age or if you're in the media these days, you know, I have to deal with it every day. I actually cognizant of everything I say nowadays, because I have to, I understand uh, you know, what the, what things are now and what the rules are and, and people's level of tolerance now. So, you know, what I did on the radio even 20 years ago, I can't do the same show that I did that I do today. Uh, so, you know, it, it's sad that the, <clears throat> Bob Lemmy's career had to uh, end like this, uh, and, you know, and the same for uh, for Derek Daly and Connor Daly. Uh, I feel a little worse, I think, for Connor, who had nothing to do with any of this story, uh, but uh, but uh, had to take some of the brunt uh, of it. But, you know, again, for those for those guys, uh, you know, I think you need to realize where you are today, uh, you know, and, and, and people's reaction to things. It, it, are people too sensitive at times? Maybe. But, uh, you know, that's the world we live in today. And, and I, you know, especially as a full-time broadcaster, that's what I, ha- I have to be conscious about every single day. So it, it's, it's changing with the times. And I think that, uh, you know, that uh, unfortunately for those guys, some things didn't change and, and now they both are out
1: of a job. Yeah, it's unfortunate that Bob Lemmy did repeat the story, and then just didn't maybe he didn't have to use the word even if he was repeating the story. It was just in a ca- casual conversation with other reporters. I think what bothered the intern the most is he asked the intern, are all of our microphones off? Well, that was something that's pretty common that you ask at the end of a broadcast. We know that on that our radio. We want to make sure everything's off. She kind of took it as he wanted to make sure all the mics were off, there was no hot mic. As we know, every mic is a hot mic. She took it as he, he knew what he was going to say, and he wanted to make sure there was no hot mics. So it's unfortunate that it unraveled that way. But... As Ed said, it's, it's the world that we live in. We've only got a few minutes. Gotta put a, wrap, uh, a bow on it, wrap it up. We'll start with you, Ed, going into uh, NFL fantasy drafts this weekend. I know Mo, you and I have our balance draft tomorrow. I have one today.
9: What are your thoughts?
1: Who are the studs? Who are the duds As we go and get ready for fantasy football drafts. Uh,
9: well, I'm not a fantasy guy, but you know, you got to get a quarterback first, right? I mean, that's probably where you, where you have to go with your first pick. I would be careful with Carson Wentz, um, drafting him. I'm not sure if he's going to start the season. Nobody's sure at this point we should know soon before, obviously before Thursday, but, uh, even if he plays, I'm not sure at what level he'll play at. I'm not sure it'll be the same as last year. So I'd be careful with him. Um, I think Saquon Barkley will have a nice season. Uh, you know, he could be a high pick. But, uh, you know, I, as far as other guys, I mean, you could just go down the long list here. Uh, you know, if you still have confidence in Tom Brady that he'll get things done, probably. Gronkowski's a, a, you know, big-name player. Uh, I, you know, busts. I'll, I'm not so sure. Bust Dak Prescott? Would he be considered a bust if you drafted him? I don't know. Eli Manning, I think probably could have a good year with uh, a happy Odell Beckham. I think Odell Beckham should be drafted high. I think he'll have a great year. Um, but not being a big fantasy guy, I don't really you know have this list of guys to you know to to read off that it would be busts or or, or uh, you know breakout <laughs> guys.
1: Mo, well, I know uh, you are in our fantasy league, and uh, we have drafts tomorrow. So you don't have to tip your draft strategy, but going into uh, your Tennessee football drafts, what are you looking at? Uh, I'm looking for value. You know, and I think a lot of
10: times it, it, we know the NFL season just overall is a war of attrition, and I think I'm looking, uh, you know, to, to stock up a good bench. I think that's where you see people separate themselves each and every year is when you're able to uh, – to separate and uh you know put uh, a good bench together so i'm looking for some value picks in in, you know in some late rounds then there are some cleveland browns on that list you know there are uh uh, a few others from a few other teams you know there's a few sleepers i think on the bears this year as well um you know there a a guy who did very well for me in in the past couple years is a guy like zach ertz uh, at tight end you know people jump for gronkowski and kelsey right away i think uh there's a lot of value in zach ertz obviously from uh from his performance uh, last year, and especially in the Super Bowl, so uh, you know I, I think that uh, don't be don't be distraught if you don't uh, you know get some of the number one guys at their position. I think that the draft uh, could be pretty deep this year. Uh, and again, you know look for look for value fix. If you can't get the number one or two guys, there's always great guys out there. And I, I think Zach Ertz will prove to be that uh, again this year. Thank you. Well, guys, it's time for a
1: thumbs-up, thumbs-down. Last week I was at the Indianapolis Colts game. Great showing. Got to see Luck run a little bit. Great win against the 49ers. They went 3-1 and one in the preseason. Uh, thumbs-up or thumbs-down, the Indianapolis Colts win nine games this season. Uh, Ed? Thumbs-down. Too tough a division.
0: Thumbs-down. Still All trying right. to Mo, replenish that
1: roster. Yeah. Mo, thumbs-up, thumbs-down. The Colts win nine games this season. Uh,
10: thumbs down. I agree with that. The division's too tough. And I think the Colts are going to be absolutely horrific on defense this year, even with the return of Andrew Luck. And if he stays healthy and gets protected, I still think, you know, you're in a situation like you were in the early years of Peyton Manning where you're going to have to score 40 or 50 points to win the football game because the defense is that bad. Uh, so I say thumbs down.
1: Well, you know, I am going to disagree just because I'm going to be a homer on this. Uh, I think that they could easily win between seven and eight games. I don't think there's any arguments there, so we're just talking about one other game. Now, they're going to be very busy over the next 48 hours. They have to get their right guard in place. That is going to be a big problem. That is going to be an Achilles heel. And you're right, Mo, the defense is atrocious at the moment. But I have wishful thoughts as well. Well, guys, uh, that, we're going to have to wrap it up. Put a bow on it, Ed. Where can people you find your work your masterpieces as we go into 2018? Uh, just follow me on Twitter at crapze k r a c z e. All right, Mo. Where can people find your work and your masterpieces?
9: Uh,
10: I have no masterpieces, so I just follow Ed. <laughs> All right, there we go.
1: That's what, that's what I would do. Thanks, doing. Mo. Follow Ed. All right, guys, you have yourself a great Labor Day weekend. Uh, doing whatever you're going to do, barbecuing, drinking some beer, or what have you, and uh, let's get ready for a great uh, 2018 NFL season. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Mo.